Good morning. People there, that's good. That's good. I just want us to be thinking about where we're at at the moment, at this stage in the year, and what our thoughts are for the future. We're probably all at different places, different situations, different circumstances, different thoughts. I'm just wondering what our expectations are as we go forward. Are we expecting things to go smoothly for us? Are we facing any challenges at the moment? Are there any issues that we've been praying about that are unresolved? Prayers that we've been praying maybe for years, but nothing seems to be happening. So what is it that we need as we go forward? What is it that will see us through the rest of this year? Well, I want to talk to you this morning about a man and his wife in the Bible who faced an uncertain future, but they trusted in God's faithfulness. There's much we can learn about the life of Abraham, and it's important that we get to know him better because the Bible speaks much of him. Did you know that Abraham is mentioned in 27 of the 66 books of the Bible? And he's also mentioned 76 times in the New Testament. How about that? So we read from the prophet Isaiah, Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn and the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who gave birth to you in pain. When he was but one, I called him. Then I blessed him and multiplied him. So just as Isaiah instructs us this morning, we're going to be looking to Abraham and Sarah. And we'll find out why it is that despite the challenges that Abraham and Sarah faced, the New Testament refers to Abraham as the father of faith. And we'll see that it wasn't because Abraham did great things, but because he trusted in a faithful God, the same unchanging God that we can confidently put our trust in as well today. Abram, as he was called before God changed his name to Abraham, would seem to be an unlikely character for God to use. He grew up about 4,000 years ago in a city called Ur, the most advanced city of the world, And I'm sure today it would win the prize for the world's most livable city. And religion was central in Ur. If you go there today, about 300 kilometres southeast of Baghdad, you can still see the great ziggurat to the city's patron deity, Nana, the moon god. So Abram grew up in an idol-worshipping family, and yet his heart was toward God. And that's what God's looking for in us, hearts that are toward him. And it's my prayer that in the midst of all of our circumstances that we face, that our hearts will be turned towards God. And just like us, Abram had struggles and he made mistakes. The Bible relates that the main struggle that Abraham and Sarah had, as most of us will know, is that they couldn't have children. And life for them didn't work out as expected. And doesn't this sum up for ourselves, our struggles? It really is. We we find we're struggling when life doesn't work out as we've expected. We might have plans for the day and they get 
thrown out the window. We might have hopes for the future that don't seem to materialise. We might work and work and work towards something and it just doesn't eventuate. And we call these times struggles. So among the first things we read about Abraham is that he and his family set out from their comfortable home in Ur to live in Canaan. But they didn't get as far as Canaan because Terah, that's Abram's father, decided to settle down about halfway in Haran. And Haran really was also a land of comfort, but it wasn't Canaan. It wasn't a land of promise. So I'll pick up the story in Genesis chapter 12, soon after Terah dies, when God called Abram to move from the comforts of Haran. In Genesis 12, 1-4 we read, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you, and I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, and him who dishonours you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed." So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. So here we have magnificent promises that God gave to Abram to be made a great nation, to have a name that is honoured, and to be blessed to be a blessing. This is what's known in the Bible as the Abrahamic Covenant. And God also gave Abram the commandment to go from your country and from your kindred and from your father's house to the land I will show you. In Abram's response to this command, we see his heart toward God. It says, so Abram went. And it's not easy to leave relatives and friends, those you know well and love. It's not easy to leave familiarity, security and comfort of your family. It's not easy to leave without knowing the destination, as God had said that he was yet to show him where to go. And this is a key to Abram's faith that we're introduced to right at the beginning of the story, that he was willing to obey God. Now, a New Testament reading in Hebrews 11, verse 16 says, But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. So Abram looked ahead toward heaven and counted the joys of heaven as more precious than the comforts of this earth. And I think it's very helpful counsel for us to realise that we're here on earth but for a season and we're to live our lives before God in whose awesome presence we'll be spending eternity. And wasn't that lovely to sing that song this morning? I can only imagine. Having a heavenly vision helps us to get our problems into perspective. And Hebrews 11 goes on to say, By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive from, for an inheritance and went out not knowing where he was going. Now, Abram would never have entered into all the blessings if he had never gone forth. And it's the same for us. We must believe in what the word of God says. Believe in the promises God has made to us 
and live as though those promises are true. One thing I learnt in Sunday school that I've never forgotten, my Sunday school teacher sitting out the back there, I was 15 years old, I can still remember it. Faith is trusting in God enough to act on that trust. And some may call Abram's going forth blind faith, but it's not blind because Abram knew enough of the character of God to know that he was absolutely trustworthy. And we must do the same. Believe that God is absolutely trustworthy and act on that trust. As the hymn says, trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. So Abram let go of his comforts and moved forward in faith, not knowing what the future would hold, but trusting in him who holds the future in his hands. And where did God lead him? Well, Abram went to the land of Canaan, as the Lord had commanded, but when he arrived, he found that it was in drought. And here he makes a big mistake. We read in verse 10 of Genesis 12, Now there was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. Abram made a decision to go down to Egypt to escape the famine. The scriptures don't tell us that Abram sought God about going to Egypt, and it appears that Abram took matters into his own hands not trusting that God was going to take care of him in the land of famine. He chose an easy way out. Not only that, but when he got to Egypt, instead of trusting God, he reasoned that it was too risky to let the Egyptians know that beautiful Sarai was his wife. So he formulated a plan to say that Sarai was his sister. And this led to God's judgment on Pharaoh's household, as we read in verse 17. Because the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So despite doing the wrong thing, God was still with him, watching over him. And we read that Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. So God, in his great mercy, was looking after Abram. He rescued Abram. And what a gracious God we have who redeems situations when we get ourselves in trouble. And we can learn from this that when famine or setbacks come, our focus should not be to seek a way out, but to seek the counsel of God. In chapters 13 and 14 of Genesis, we see Abram's heart of courageous love as he parts way with his nephew Lot and offers him the best of the land which he accepts. And Abram later goes to war against a coalition of kings to rescue Lot, who had been taken captive as a result of his choice to live in Sodom. So with these things fresh in Abram's experience, we turn to our Old Testament reading of Genesis 15, where God says in verse 1, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. The first thing that God said to Abram was, Do not fear, Abram. 
God knew of Abram's fears. Most likely that the coalition of kings he had just defeated may rally against him. God promises to be a shield to Abram. A shield protects us. How many of us have our shields with us this morning? No one. Shock horror. We should have. I've got mine with me. Ephesians 6 calls us every day to clothe ourselves in the armour of God. We're to take up the shield of faith against the fiery darts of the evil one. We're all being impinged by the evil one. If we haven't got a shield of faith, what's going to happen? We're going to go down to wrong thoughts. Let's remember to have our shields with us every day to clothe ourselves in the armour that God so graciously provides for us. So here God is promising to Abram to be a shield, to be his faith. And this is a vital truth to Abram's faith, a vital key. It's vital that we grasp this truth for ourselves. The writer to the Hebrews puts it clearly in saying, Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. It's Jesus we must look for, for the faith that we need. And just as the next verse in Genesis 15 says, Abram said, O Lord, what will you give me, since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? And Abram said, Since you have given me no offspring, one born to my house is my heir. So here we have Abram, honest with God about his doubts. And easily, when we doubt, we can have the devil coming in to condemn us and make us feel terrible and get us depressed. But what did Abram do? He came to God. He was honest about his doubts. He was longing to have a son. And even though God offered him a reward, what good would that be to him without a son? As excellent as Eliezer, the head servant of his house, was, he wasn't his son. And it's important that we see an important distinction here and Abram's questioning of God. And there is a difference between a doubt that denies God's promise and a doubt that reaches out to God asking for his help. Abram wanted to believe and he looked to God to strengthen his faith. And just like Abram, we too can tell God about how we're feeling and ask him to strengthen our faith when we're struggling to believe. In response to Abram's need, God graciously reminded Abram of the promises he'd made. God made his promise to Abram clear with a vivid illustration. And he took him outside and said, Now look toward the heavens and count the stars if you're able to count them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And God wants to confirm his promise to us over and over. How easily we forget God's heart toward us and the promises he's made. And that's why in Hebrews 10 we read, And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And then we come in Genesis chapter 15 to a well-known and much-quoted verse about Abram. Verse 6 says, Then he believed in the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. When we think of righteousness, what do we think of? Usually we associate righteousness with good things we do. We think about being kind and generous. We think about coming to church regularly. We think about helping out, serving in the church. And these are all excellent things. 
But that's not the sort of righteousness that Abram is credited with. God declared Abram righteous because he believed in the Lord. And Paul speaks of this in his letters to the Romans and the Galatians. Romans 4.2 says, For if Abram was justified by his works, he has nothing to boast about, but not before God. Galatians 3, 6 and 7 says, Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And throughout the ages, God has justified men and women, not because of their good deeds, but because of our faith. Abraham, the father of faith, had nothing to boast about, and the same is true for us. We read in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Salvation requires humility. To experience the blessings of salvation, we must be prepared to humble ourselves and acknowledge that we are sinners in need of a saviour. And that in and of ourselves, we have no righteousness that can bring us salvation. Salvation comes not because we're good people who are worthy, but because we believe in the power of what Jesus has done for us. In his living a perfect life, dying for our sins and rising triumphantly from the grave. And we believe that we can be forgiven for our sins and made righteous in God's sight because of Jesus' shed blood for us on the cross of Calvary. And we believe in the newness of life that Jesus brings because of his triumphant resurrection. And it's good to remind ourselves of these simple truths of what God has done for us in Jesus. Just as we see in the next verse, God reminding Abram of what he had done for him. It says... He said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess it. And Abram said, O Lord God, how may I know that I will possess it? So Abram responds, not with a complaint or a statement of unbelief, but rather with a question. Abram was seeking assurance. And in response to this, God does a remarkable thing which we describe as cutting a covenant. A covenant may be described as a bond in blood sovereignly administered by God. And the Westminster Confession of Faith describes covenant as the means by which an infinitely mighty God makes possible the transmission of his blessings to us. Isn't that a wonderful statement? The infinitely mighty God makes possible the transmission of his blessings to us. And this is what God is doing for Abram at this time. The Hebrew expression for making a covenant is karit berit, which literally means to cut a covenant. In Abram's day, if two people wanted to enter a covenant, they would cut an animal in half, laying each side down, and they would walk between the halves, symbolising their commitment by promising to do to me what has been done to these animals if I break my side of the covenant. So let's see how this covenant between God and Abram was cut. 
from verse 9. So he said to him, bring me three, a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, and a three-year-old ram, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Then he brought all these to him, and cut them in two, and laid each half opposite the other. But he did not cut the birds. The birds of prey came down upon the carcasses, and Abram drove them away. Just as he had done when God first called him out of his family situation, Abram obeyed. And it's our obedience that opens up the door of God's blessings. Abram knew what God was doing. Abram knew that if he broke this covenant, he would be deserving of the same bloodshed being poured out on his animals. Having encouraged Abraham with this act of making a covenant, Abram's faith was tested because he had to wait for the Lord to ratify the covenant by walking between the carcasses with him. And God didn't come right away. He had to wait and fight off the birds of prey until God appeared to complete the covenant ceremony. And this is the same with us. We have many vultures of unbelief and obstacles to fight off while we wait for God to act in response to our prayers. Does anyone feel like that? Fighting off the vultures, feeling discouraged, feeling tired. It's something we can really relate to in this story of Abram. So let us not allow the vultures of negative thoughts to land, but drive them away as soon as we see them coming. And that's what Abram was seeking to do. And in the midst of God cutting the covenant with Abram, something very interesting happens. Abraham became exhausted. And from driving all the the vultures away, we read in verse 12 that Abram falls into a deep sleep. So in this, God was showing Abram that he was incapable of keeping his side of the covenant. And then we read in verse 17 that Abram watched as God came, passed through the animal parts all by himself. So God was showing Abram that he would take 100% responsibility for the fulfilling of the covenant. It was the Lord's doing. Abram could not break a contract he never signed. What a relief. And so it is with us. The manifestation of the promises of God in our lives are all dependent on God and it has nothing to do with our performance. And Jesus has done the same for us as he did for Abraham. When Jesus inaugurated the Lord's Supper as a sign of the new covenant he he made with us, he declared, this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. In shedding his blood, Jesus was doing something we could never do. He was fulfilling both sides of the covenant. Now, this is a wonderful part of the story, and we could expect that from now on, Abram went from strength to strength as a mighty man of faith. But let's see what happened next. Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 to 4 says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. 
Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. Oh no, how could Abram possibly do such a thing after all that God had done to encourage him to believe? Again, just as we saw when Abram sought to avoid the famine in Canaan, we see Sarai and Abram taking matters into their own hands instead of seeking the counsel of the Lord. And we see the bad fruit of this in Hagar despising Sarai. But God, in his steadfast love and faithfulness to Abram, appears again to Abram when he's now 99 years old. And in chapter 17, we read of how God changes Abram and Sarai's names to Abraham and Sarah. To say the name Abraham and Sarah you have to breathe out. So every time Abram, Abraham introduced himself, he was reminded that God is a God who breathes life into you. And this gives us a picture of the work of the Holy Spirit coming and breathing the life of God into us. So what happened when God breathed his life into Abraham and, and Sarah? Genesis 21 says, The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And this remarkable event of a 90-year-old woman giving birth is described in Hebrews 11.11. By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. And this is a key. Abraham and Sarah did not rely on anything except the character of God. They received the miraculous ability to have children because they considered him faithful. So what do we do when we consider something? We think about it. The Greek word for consider is hagiomahi. It is a verb that is often translated to rule over. So in this context, it's used to used figuratively, and so gives us a sense of what we are giving the highest position to as a thing we are considering. It's like one thought of belief being ruling over another. And this is helpful because when we're facing trials, it's the faithfulness of God that we must give primary importance to. Let's remember the encouragement in Paul's second letter to Timothy. This saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we, will deny, if we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. 
The faithfulness of God means that he will never let us down. He's absolutely trustworthy. We can trust 100% what the Bible reveals about the character of God. So after a 25-year wait and many trials along the way, God's promise had finally been fulfilled. But there's one more test that God has in store for Abraham. Abraham was about 125 years old when God put him through this test. He'd been growing in his faith for about 25 years. When we're students, we have tests, don't we, at the end of periods of learning and practice. And God saw that Abraham had learnt much and had put his faith into practice. And so Abraham was ready for this test. And we read in chapter 2, after chapter 22, verses 1 to 2, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And he said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. As he had done all those years ago, Abraham went forth. As he was about to sacrifice Isaac on the altar he had built, as he was reaching for the knife about to slay his precious son, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. And Abraham took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. And we read of God's response of delight to Abraham's act of obedience. By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sands that are on the seashore, as your offspring and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. Tests come to all of us, and we can probably add tests to the list of death and taxes that are part of life. And God wants us to grow during our tests. So if you're being tested, rejoice in the opportunity that God is giving you to look to him for help to pass the test. James 1 verses 2 to 4 says, Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various kinds of trials. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So there you have it. The reason for the test that we may become steadfast in faith, perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Again, what a great promise from the great promise keeper. And interestingly, the word that James uses when he says, 
considerate or joy is the same word that Hebrews 11 used when Sarah considered him faithful, indicating that we are to rejoice in the midst of our trials while remaining steadfast in considering him as faithful. So to return to my questions that I asked at the beginning, what is it we need as we go forward and what will see us through the rest of this year? It's faith. So let's take encouragement from Abraham. We may feel that our faith is weak and we've seen today how Abraham's faith grew. In our challenges, let's resist the temptation to take matters into our own hands in order to find a way out. Let us, as Abraham and Sarah did, consider God as faithful, believing that he loves us and is able to do all that he promises to do. Let us remember that what is really pleasing to God is when we believe in his faithfulness, even though it looks impossible. Importantly, let us recognise that God's blessings do not depend on our performance, but on his faithfulness. Remembering that Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. And finally, let us look to him daily for the filling and the equipping of the Holy Spirit to enable us to persevere in faith. Let's pray.